mightiest prophet of the Lord? Well, uh, blessed people, uh, yesterday we had a conversation about uh, Christian salvation, the salvation of the Lord advanced to mankind. We had such a tremendous conversation. And uh, the Lord set out yesterday to bring before your attention the fact that the salvation of the grace you received was very powerfully designed by God the Father. And in his design, now you see that the Trinity, the entire Trinity of God is involved. The triune God is involved in your salvation. You see that uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all involved in the salvation that the Lord designed for the nations and for mankind. And so uh, tonight, I would like to open it up a little because uh, we didn't have much time yesterday, and there's so much still which we ought to see. Uh, we saw yesterday that the Holy Spirit plays a very central role. Uh, the Holy Spirit is very key and very critical in the Christian salvation that you receive. And uh, the Holy Spirit comes into play, a very specialized role. And now you see many times you know about the washing of the blood, washing by the blood. And then yesterday, the Lord brought before you the washing by the Holy Spirit. So you see that the Trinity is involved in the Christian salvation you behold. And uh, right away, I want to begin, now that we have time tonight, I want to begin by looking at this river, the river we saw in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel 47, the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we looked at yesterday. The fact that the Holy Spirit is charged with a duty for regeneration. And don't worry, because today I have time. I'll open up greater things for you tonight. Uh, yesterday we didn't have much time. I just threw in the word regeneration, new creation. But today I'll open it up further for you so you understand even much better that the salvation we have was very well planned by the Lord. It is very powerfully designed to be able to achieve the objective for which the Lord designed it to deliver you into eternal life, the eternal state. Remember, the ultimate goal is for you to be in the eternal state. So in the book of Ezekiel, again, I read here, uh, chapter 47, and uh, verse 1, it says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Verse 2. Then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east. Outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. The word was trickling. The key word we saw yesterday was that the water was trickling. That God in his design, in his divine nature and divine design, that that is how he has set out to always introduce his visitation. That at the beginning, when Jesus came, you saw that uh, you could uh, you could easily dismiss him. The prophecies were given.
manger, so you could easily dismiss him. Even the star, you know, the, the three wise men, the Magi, they saw a little star. It was a small trickling. Uh, and then uh, verse 3 says of Ezekiel 47, again, we are focused on the role of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of the Christian. I know that from next week on, I will start handling the blood, the authority of the blood, the washing by the blood. But we cannot be blind to this very specialized central role that God designed the Holy Spirit to play in your salvation. And in fact, that is the reason the church has fallen. And that's why when you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, you see the two congregations there. You see the church that took, understood the role of the Holy, Holy Spirit and took the jar of oil and beheld the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. They became the wise virgin, the church that lived in holiness, and they enter eternity. That prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. That prophecy is going to be fulfilled. The prophecy Jesus himself gave us in the book of Matthew chapter 25. That prophecy is still hanging above the earth here. It is not yet fulfilled. And you see that same prophecy of Matthew 25, the church that fails to appreciate the role of the Holy Spirit in our Christian salvation, the foolish virgin, they don't enter heaven. They are not going to enter. And that's why this conversation becomes very pivotal. It's a turning point, a very important conversation for this generation, this church, to appreciate the central role that the Holy Spirit also plays in your Christian salvation, in God's redemption plan for the church, for you, the believer. And that's why the Spirit of the Lord led me to the book of Ezekiel 47, and I tied it with the vision of the river of the water of life that the Lord showed me behind the throne room, behind the Ark of the Covenant, flowing all the way down, the life-giving Spirit of God flowing all to the ends of the earth. That whosoever believes in Christ Jesus, has faith in Christ Jesus, will receive life, will not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. Meaning, see the eternal state, in the new heaven, new earth, where we'll live eternally with God, while the rest will be eternally in the lake of fire. So, that dichotomy, that fact that there are two congregations at this hour, one of them not appreciating the role of the Holy Spirit, and the other not appreciating the role of the Holy Spirit, taking it very serious, and receiving the Holy Spirit, and producing the fruits of the Spirit, as we're going to see shortly, then this church that embraces, appreciates the role of the Holy Spirit in your Christianity, enters eternity. And that's why God compelled me, the Lord compelled me to bring this to the fore. I know after this we'll look at the role of the blood of Jesus in washing, washing the, 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 the sinner to, to be a believer, to become born again. But he says, as we continue the book of Ezekiel 47 verse 3, as the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured, measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was up to the waist. So you see the river is beginning like a trickle, but is gaining depth. Five, he says, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water 
had risen and was deep enough to swim, meaning his feet could not step on the floor, the bed of the river, the river bed. He was now floating, so he had to swim. A river that no one could cross, meaning it had a current, it had a storm, it was flowing very fast. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And I told you the reason he asked him, son of man, do you see this? That is the person of the Holy Spirit himself introducing Ezekiel to the role the Holy Spirit is going to do in the Christian salvation, in the redemption of mankind. There is going to be a river eventually that will flow over there. But we are talking about the spiritual significance. The gospel of Jesus that would come and reach the four ends of the earth, come to dead men. And he said, and then he led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the east, okay, towards the eastern region, and goes down into the Arabah, that valley, the Arabah Valley, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there become fresh, meaning that water is miraculous, has a healing power, comes to bring life, brings life, look at this, after the water is healed, the, the salty water there becomes fresh, swarms of living creatures will live, will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salty water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will leave. The fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Glaim. There will be, again, to En Glaim, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swampy and the marshes, the, the, the swamps and the marshes, Will, be, will not become fresh, meaning they need to, 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 to salt, to, to provide nutrients. That's what he's talking about there. Hmm? But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Because there will be need for salt also. The fish, when you get from there, you need salt it. Then he goes on, verse uh, 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will, 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 will not wither. Nor will their fruit, their, their fruit fail. Every month, they'll bear fruit, meaning 12 fruits a year. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will, will serve for food. And the leaves for healing. So, so we see very clearly that this is the water of life. The water that brings life to the dead sea, to the dead life, to the dead man, to the dead mankind, to the dead world. We saw that very clearly yesterday. That this water, this water brings life. And this water stands for the life-giving spirit of the Lord that Jesus came to unveil. That whosoever will believe in Christ Jesus will live, will live. But I want to walk you, I want to walk with you step by step that you may understand the principle that I raised yesterday 
uh, the Lord led me to raise before you this very important principle, the regeneration of the believer. The regeneration that you must go through. The role of the Holy Spirit in regenerating you, the church. In other words, the new creation. We've been looking at the newness of life and the new creation. That was the intent, to be able to underscore to you the new creation. And this is going to be very important. So those who can write, please make sure you write. Let your memory not fail you on this one. And those who can record, you can record also. So we see that the, the Holy Spirit, from this river that's flowing from the sanctuary, we see very clearly the Lord saying that there is a role. The role, the supreme role, the role of the supreme Holy Spirit in your Christian salvation, in your Christianity. And we saw very clearly that the role, as we do, we're going to see again in the book of Titus, which is our lead scripture, that the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That is the role he plays in your Christian salvation. The Holy Spirit of God. The washing of regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Spirit. And yesterday we passed through this in a hurry, you know. But these are big terms. These are very important principles, uh, steps and principles that the Lord designed to be able to deliver the Christian completely from sinfulness, as we saw in the book of Mark chapter 7. Verses 20, 21, 22, 23, the condition of man, the deplorable state of man. And Ephesians chapter 4, we saw verses 17 all to 19, the deplorable state of man. And then now, the book of Titus chapter 3, verse 3, that these steps here, the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit were set up by the Lord to be able to deliver the, the person, the fallen man, that believes in Christ Jesus, has faith in Jesus, deliver him totally into the eternal state. So now you understand that the salvation of the cross that Jesus designed for the church is quite intricate. It's very complex, actually. It's very well thought of and well designed by God. You may see prima facie, just at face value, and think it's very simple. But the Trinity, the triune God is involved. And so we see very clearly here that God Almighty, in the first scripture we read, yesterday when we read John chapter, I mean Titus chapter 3 verse 3, he says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures of the flesh. And we lived in malice and envy, being in hatred and being hated, yeah, that kind of life. And then verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, he's talking about God the Father, he's talking about the one that designed, God the Father himself, the one that designed, the redemptive plan for mankind. He's the one that designed the redemptive plan for mankind. God the Father himself. And you see, right away he's involved. So I just want to read through this before we go to chapter 1. 
to open it up so that you may see the involvement of the triune God, the Trinity of God. Verse 4 now. You see in verse 4 the involvement of God the Father. He said, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior. So he calls God the Father, our Savior. We have always known that Christ Jesus is our Savior. But one time when I talked about the, the covenant of the grace, I made it very clear that the designer, the origin of the grace, that covenant of redemption is God the Father. And Christ Jesus is the one that was sent to deliver the covenant of grace to man. So here you see God the Father himself is involved in verse, involved in verse 4. And he says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, because God the Father, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness, or not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And yesterday I opened it up for you. Mercy means have pity that man had sinned. And today I'm going to define to you sin of rebellion against God, our defection from God, to defect from Him. And the wages of sin is death. So mankind being sinful, having been judged, is now condemned to the judgment of death. And we see very clearly now that God has mercy. He takes mercy on man when he looks at the condition of man. He becomes merciful. And I said mercy is the kindness and the compassion of God that is, is, is undertaken so that God may avoid to, 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 to tamper with his judgment. It's the way God tampers with his justice by now bringing in compassion and kindness and pity. So we see that God, our Savior, appeared with love and kindness. Then verse 5 he says, He saved us, meaning salvation belongs to God. And he says, Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, his pity over us. Oh, these people are going to suffer. Not that he needs that so much. He can start with a new group, a new crop on the earth. He saved us through the washing. Now look at the role of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to open up for you tonight. More than I did yesterday. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. And the other versions, if you look at the other versions, blessed people, the other versions of Titus chapter 3, the other versions, for example, if you go to uh, Amplified or King James uh, Amplified Bible Let's try Amplified If you look at Titus chapter 3 Amplified Verse 5 it says, Verse 4 it says But when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior Again he addresses God the Father as the Savior And tonight I've set out to demonstrate to you that the salvation you saw, you behold, involves the Trinity of God. It was so intricately designed, like that the triune God is involved. God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared in human form as man. Look at that. Hmm? 
Jesus Christ, that amplified. He saved us not because of any work of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of new birth. Look at that. New birth, spiritual transformation. Do you now see where the Holy Spirit comes in? This is now the specialized role that is assigned, the duty assigned to the Holy Spirit alone. But you may understand, it's not only God the Father, God the Son bringing the covenant of grace, but also the Holy Spirit. They are all working together in a very intricate way, in specialized roles sometimes, each of them, to be able to deliver the salvation of the grace you have. And he says, the, the cleansing, the, the compassion, his own compassion and mercy, by the cleansing, now that, that's the role of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, that's how it is called, it's called regeneration, which is the spiritual transformation. So this is now spiritual. This is undertaken by the Holy Spirit. And renewing by the Holy Spirit. So these are the roles assigned to the Holy Spirit. When he moved to verse 6, he says, Whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be justified, made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate and deserved grace, that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made hell of eternal life actually experiencing it according to our hope he is guaranteed. But it says this is a faithful and trustworthy saying and concerning these things I want you to speak with great confidence so that those who have believed God that is those who have trusted in and relied on and accepted Christ Jesus our Savior will be careful to participate in doing good, honorable things. This is amplified. Good and honorable things. These are excellent in themselves and profitable for the people. So, so you see very clearly the involvement of the triune God in the Christianity, the Christian salvation of the grace you behold. Let me read NIV here. It says, verse 4, you see the involvement of God the Father, God our Savior, when His kindness and love appeared. We didn't deserve it, He says. And then, verse 5, He saved us, not because of any righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Look at how He did now. The, verse 5 is the role of the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and transformation, spiritual transformation of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, in verse 5, we see the role of God, the Holy Spirit. In verse 6, then you see the role of Christ. He says, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So you see the triune God, the entire trinity of God is involved in the salvation of the grace you walk in, you behold today. And that's why you know, before we handle the washing by the blood of Jesus, 
I want to highlight this, that the prophecy in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, says that the congregation, the church, that did not appreciate significantly the role of the Holy Spirit will not enter the kingdom of God. And yet the church, the wise virgin, that appreciated the role of the Holy Spirit in their Christian salvation, they enter eternity. They enter the kingdom of God all the way into the eternal state. And so we see very clearly that in verse 3 of Titus chapter 3, he comes out with a sincerity reflecting back on the deplorable state of mankind before salvation. We saw that. And then, seeing that mankind is sinful with a, such a, a big list of evil, then he says salvation comes from God the Father, very powerfully. That comes from the Lord alone. And then, we see the role of God the Father in that salvation. But if you turn again, if you turn with me the book of the same Titus, beginning from chapter 1, you see again the total involvement of the triune God in this salvation of the grace. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. He says, Paul, a servant of God and, a, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, verse 2, in the hope of the eternal life, which God who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. So you talk about God the Father. His role is that he designed all this salvation of the grace we have before even time began. He designed eternal life for you before time began. God who does not lie before the beginning of time, which now, which now at his appointed season, has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Look at, look at that again. He calls him God our Savior. He assigns salvation to God the Father. He assigns the role of salvation, of saving man, to God the Father again there. And you see verse 2. In verse 2, verse 2 promises eternal life. The God who does not lie. Verse 3 is a plan. He talks about that plan. The plan now revealed, manifested through the preaching of the gospel. That's how he puts it. That through the preaching of the gospel, now that plan that God the Father designed before time began, now is revealed. And so, the grace of God the Father and Christ, verse 4, look at that. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now he brings in Christ Jesus also as our Savior. You see the direct involvement of the Godhead, of the triune God, the Trinity of God in your redemptive plan, the plan of redemption God brought you. And if you read verse 4, verse 4, you see, grace and peace from our God, 
God the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. He brings him as the one that delivers God's redemptive plan to mankind. And there he says that our Lord Jesus is our Savior. And yet if you read on, verse 11, if you get time to get to verse 11, verse 11 he says, they must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And uh, so he's talking about, he's rebuking those who fail to do good. And that for the sake of this honest gain, look at that, rebuking that. But if you turn to the book of uh, Titus chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 11, Chapter 2, verse 11, look at what it says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Again, the role of the grace of our Lord Jesus in the redemptive plan that saved you. So in this introduction, I want you to appreciate the role of God the Father in the salvation of the grace, the specialized role of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of the grace and the role played by the deliverer, the savior, the deliverer of that covenant. That's why it says, for those that believe in Christ Jesus, then the following will be done unto them. The following benefits will accrue. The salvation of the grace we receive is so powerful, powerfully designed, involves the three in one, the trinity of God. That the grace of Jesus is what brings salvation to man. And that grace has now appeared. Messiah has come. Jesus came as man. And if you see that the way he appeared, what, which he's talking about here, that now Christ Jesus has appeared, has now been revealed. He rather came to us, incarnated, to deliver that redemption plan. But if you turn with me to the book of John chapter 1, John chapter 1, then you understand, what, you understand what he's talking about. John chapter 1, verse 14. The book of John chapter 1, verse 14. Look at what he says. And he says, the word became flesh. That's what he's talking about. God designed the salvation of mankind before time began. God the Father. And when the time arrived, he sent Christ Jesus to deliver as the messenger of that covenant, to deliver the salvation of the grace. Hallelujah. To bring it to the earth, to mankind. So he became our savior. And then the Holy Spirit has a specialized role. But the part of Christ Jesus appearing to deliver uh, that salvation, his role, is what we are seeing here in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh, and the Word made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from God the Father, full of grace and truth. 
That is what is implying over there. And that's why today I have such a latitude. I can open up and share a little more on what was being said yesterday. Because yesterday, because of short time, I went straight to the regeneration. The regeneration, the, the spiritual transformation, the, and the rebirth. And the renewal, the role of the Holy Spirit. Because I thought for a long time the church has avoided that. Lest you make the mistake and be like the foolish virgins. And it says here, in what I've just read, John chapter 114, that the word became flesh and we beheld his glory as the only, one and only begotten son of God the Father, full of grace and full of truth, and that we have all received, we have received his full grace. The grace we received is the full grace of God. The grace and truth. And that they came through Christ Jesus. Very powerful. The salvation of the grace you received involving the Trinity, the triune God. And if you look at Titus chapter 2, back to Titus chapter 2. Remember our reference scripture is the book of Titus. And our main role today is to bring to you the fact that the Trinity is involved. Many times people are not aware that the Holy Spirit is also involved in the washing of the sinner. We have only heard about the washing by the blood of Jesus. But now the Lord comes out and brings out the specialized role of the Holy Spirit. As we saw yesterday and we'll see today. So again, back to Titus chapter 2. Look at the role of Christ. Verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13, the book of Titus, it says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify us, for himself are people that are his very own. He got to do what is holy, what is good. So he's saying, we are looking forward for the blessed hope. So now we who are the beholders of the grace of Jesus, he's saying we don't live in futility. We, don't, we are not focused on this world. We are looking forward to the blessed hope that is coming. However bad the world here may be, but we are so joyful. We live our life very happy with hope. We have hope beyond this world, beyond the coronavirus, beyond the global economic meltdown, beyond the unemployment, beyond the depression. Why? Because we are looking forward to the blessed hope and the glorious, glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he may redeem us. He's saying, he redeemed us from every act of lawlessness, every deed of lawlessness. And he purified us unto himself. He purchased us for his God. He purified us unto himself as a people doing good who are ready to go serve as priests of God, to serve his God in heaven. Yahweh. Then he says, 
the, the zealousness of these people. It will be a zealous people, a special people who have a zeal for doing what is holy, zeal for doing what is righteous. They have this, uh, they, they, they have, they have this impetus, this longing and zeal. They are energized to do what is good within the wicked world. They are different. We are different. That's all he was talking about there. And I walk you today into the role of the Holy Spirit. So the Trinity is involved. They are playing intricate roles. God designed before time began. And God our Savior. Now Christ Jesus our Savior. Then the Holy Spirit has a specialized role of a spiritual transformation. The washing with water. The regeneration. The new birth and renewal. He washes also very powerfully. Hallelujah. So, as you have seen, God the Father, our Savior. We see that in the book of Titus chapter 1 again. I just run through it as I wind down this section. Titus chapter 1, verse 3. And which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. God the Father, our Savior, right there. In Titus chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Titus 2, verse 10, he says the following, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Again, there he calls Jehovah, our Father, God, our Savior. And he mentions, he brings to forth his role. And the last one is now chapter 3, verse 4. Where he says, but when the kindness and the love and the compassion of God, our Savior, appeared. So he raises the role. He brings him before. He says, no, he is directly involved. He designed the plan. The Trinity is involved in your salvation. Hallelujah. As I was bringing in the role of the Holy Spirit yesterday, this is what I should have brought you as an introduction, that you may, it may be a soft landing in your heart. That you may know, wow, so the Holy Spirit has an intricate role, an inner role, an inward, internal role in the unseen realm of also washing the soul, washing the, 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 the sinner, shocking. We have known about the washing by the blood, but the washing with water by the Holy Spirit, I. If you read the book of Ephesians, if you get to Ephesians chapter 5, if you get time, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. This is what I've talked about. We are now going to get the Holy Spirit. We are going to get the role, the specialized role of the Holy Spirit. The book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Ephesians 5, 26, it says the following. He says, To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Hallelujah. You remember yesterday I told you that he washes through the word, he uses the word. Eh? The washing with water through the word. And so 
At this point, the Lord was talking about marriage. It's a teaching on marriage. But then he developed a parallel for the bride of Christ also. For the way Christ relates with his church. And says, for the washing with water. For the washing with water. He said, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water. Washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without any stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Very powerful. The washing with water. Still talking, alluding to that very specialized role of the Holy Spirit. I know right away all your minds are running to baptism. Well, baptism is important. Just hold it there. We're going to see the deeper role of the Holy Spirit. The inner role in the unseen realm. So we have seen that God the Father is involved. And then when you get to Titus chapter 3 verse 5, then now he raises the role of the Holy Spirit. Where he says, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, his, in other words, his grace, his pity, his kindness and compassion. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. And if you look at, uh, if you look at the other version, like Amplified, he says the following in Amplified. In Amplified, he says, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, the spiritual transformation, and the regeneration. And today, that's what I want to handle. The regeneration that that river that comes out of the temple trickling, when it goes to the Dead Sea, wherever it passes, it regenerates life. It brings the newness of life. That's what I want to look at. Probably I should have kept this for a Wednesday teaching, but I was just so, I, I just needed to do this today. I was compelled to do this. I had to do this today. I couldn't wait with this. But he's saying that that river, wherever it goes, from, coming from the temple, not coming from Johns Hopkins, not WHO, not the UN, not from the United States, Washington, New York, the stock markets. No. Not from IMF, World Bank, whoever. No. Coming from the presence of God, the temple of Yahweh. And all the way trickling down, flowing down very beautifully and regenerating the Araba Valley. Wherever I go, he regenerates. That's what I want to deal with. The life-giving spirit of God, the river of life that he showed me behind the ark of the covenant, inside heaven, 